Hello, I'm Courtney Garrett, and this is the 101 Christianity Podcast. These messages accompany Discovering the Character of God, a 14-week Bible study I wrote on the attributes of God, which is available on Amazon. I pray this message will encourage you as you grow in your understanding of God's character. So I thought this morning we would start by just talking about why we are doing this. Why are we doing Bible study? Why are we looking at God's attributes? Maybe you um, have just jumped in midway through. Maybe this is your first time to come. And so I want to just back up and kind of assess where we are, where we've been, and why we are we're going down, um, have this plan for the study. Sometimes we can just forget why we're doing something, so it's helpful to evaluate. So let's have a reminder as we reset to enter the second um, half of the study. Perhaps like some of you, I began reading through the Bible again this year. Um, Maybe you all have thought about that or you're doing that. Um, But this time around, I am using a tool, and maybe some of you have heard about it, called the Bible Recap. I don't know if you all have heard about this, but... I'm really excited about it because it's just a really helpful tool. You can look it up, thebiblerecap.com. It's not too late to jump in if you want to, to um, begin a Bible reading plan, even, to, even this week. But what's helpful is that you have your assigned reading for the week, and then the, there's, a, there's a, a host for the podcast that gives a brief summation of what you've read. And so you get kind of the big picture because sometimes as you're reading through the Bible and it's, it, it's just you and the text and you get through something hard, you're like, I don't even know. I'll just kind of skim over that. But this kind of helps you stay on track to get the bigger picture of what's going on. What I really like about it, too, is about three quarters of the way in through the summary, which the summary is like six or seven minutes. It is very easy to listen to. The, the, the host of it says, where did you see God in the text? Where did you see God? She says, what is your God shot? And ladies, what we're trying to do in this study is give us categories and ways of thinking about God in his word so that we can see the God shot. Because I think that we forget often this, the Bible is about him. The Bible is about God. It is not about us. And so often we look to the Bible for us to try to find ourselves in here. Where can I get my daily little pick me up. Now the Bible helps with that and it gives us maybe some inspiration, but if we're constantly looking to the Bible to see where we are in the text, we're we're going to be disheartened. We're not going to be walking in truth the way God intended because the Bible is about him. And so when we're taking time to do this topical study, what we're doing is we're trying to find ways that we see God consistently throughout scripture. God is sovereign, and it is woven all throughout Scripture. God is loving, and it is all throughout Scripture. And as I began going through the Old Testament and getting into that sticky, those sticky parts where I just, I'm like, golly, all I see is God's wrath. If I can remember God is love, I can remember that from seeing it in all of Scripture, I can be able to say, yes, God was loving in this, even though I see judgment. God is merciful, even when we see him showing, you know, annihilating a whole group of people. How, you know, we get stuck in those places. So I'm hopeful that this study will give you these categories of thinking about God so that when you come to a text, you're going to be like, 
oh, there's my God shot. I see him. I can put a name to that. If I were to say that you, um, if somebody were to say that you're funny, you have not just told a joke one time in your life, right? You are a funny person. You are consistently funny. I, I like funny people. I'd want to be friends with you because I just like funny people. Because you're, I just know you're funny. So we don't just see one, God portraying one aspect of his character one time in Scripture. That's something we need to remember. We see it throughout Scripture. Even, in, even whenever we don't see it, it's still there. So that's something that we need to remember. So we need a balanced view of God as we approach the Bible. And so this is what we hope we're, we're going to be doing in this study. And I want to just say there is a need for topical studies sometimes for this reason. Yes, I think our bread and butter studies need to be going through books of the Bible. But this is just a time to reset and say, let me think rightly about God as I approach these, these other studies that I do. So I am excited that we are talking today about God as truth because it is really important, especially in our culture today. So we're going to be talking about truth. We're going to talk about what it is, what it does and why it matters. What it is, what it does, and why it matters. Now, if I were to ask this question of what is truth 30 years ago, I would get a very different answer than what the kind of answer we get today. At one time, our job as Christians was to try to show someone that the biblical claims are true. Now, the issue is more compounded because we have to back up to see if we can get on the same page with somebody about what truth is and does truth exist. It is a different ballgame now. And so we really need to understand what truth is and, is and can we find absolute and objective truth. In the Bible study that I, the, the first Bible study that I wrote called 101, I had this in mind when I began the study because one of the first questions that I ask is, what is your definition of truth? Before I've told any, anything else, we have to get on the same page about what the person believes about truth. Can they, do they believe truth actually exists? Because everything out on the outside world is now, the, the conversation is much more around your truth and my truth, right? As Christians, we believe in objective, absolute truth, and we feel and we know that it can be it is knowable, and it's found in a person, and it's found in God's word. So, just a simple definition of truth is that which corresponds with reality. Truth is that which corresponds with reality. It is objective fact. That is something you would see in a dictionary. That which corresponds with reality. Objective truth is something that's true for everyone, whether they agree with it or not, and it's independent of anybody's feelings or bias, biases. At one time, this really was just called truth, but now we have to say this is objective truth because of kind of how the culture is thinking about things. We are in a church building. It is the year 2020. I have two sons. My hair is blonde. That's kind of a partial truth, but it's, anyway. <laughs> um, these things all correspond with reality. If I were to say, it is a perfect day outside, you may or may not agree, because your idea of the perfect day may be a 30-degree day with big snowflakes falling, or a crisp autumn day, or a warm spring day, 
your idea of the perfect day may be very different because it is your opinion. My idea of a perfect day is my opinion. But if I were to say it is 72 degrees outside, which I did, I just checked, 72 degrees outside, we would all say, yes, it's 72 degrees outside. So do you see the difference between something that's absolute and something that is maybe perhaps your opinion or a subjective way of looking at something? Now, if you're feeling like I'm getting kind of philosophical, I am, but it's important, so hang with me because we're going to make it kind of tie into what we're talking about. This idea of truth is really more important than what we think because we all value truth. Every one of us, it's a universal value for us. Why is it that we swear or a promise in a court of law? What? To tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Everybody wants the truth. Why is there something that we talk about now in these days as something called fake news? Because truth exists. The real truth is out there. And whether or not it's fake, I don't know. Anyway, people call that a lot of things fake news. But you, know, you get my point that truth exists, otherwise we wouldn't call it fake. So as we talk about the biblical idea of truth, a better definition than it's just that which corresponds with reality or objective truth, a better definition is truth is that which is constant and unchangeable. It is something we can rely upon, and this is important, which will prove to be true in the future. Truth is constant and unchanging, something we can rely upon, which will prove to be true in the future. It's interesting when we look about at the Old Testament idea of truth, it is the words that are used there are interchangeably, uh, the, the interchangeable words there are um, Reliable and enduring. Reliable, enduring, dependable, and faithful. All of those words together are kind of that idea of truth in the Old Testament. The Bible defines truth as being reliable and enduring because authentic biblical truth is linked to the dependable, unchanging character of God. Do you get that? The truth is unchanging and dependable because God is unchanging and dependable. You remember when we studied about God being immutable, that he's unchanging? That means his word is also unchanging. It doesn't change. So this definition, this idea that truth is constant and unchangeable, it's even more than this. Truth is a person. I want that to sink in a little bit today, that truth is a person. Jesus, in John 14, 6, said that he was, what, the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except by him. So he didn't say he is a truth or that he is a version of the truth. He is the truth and the only truth. And we see it. King David calls the Lord God of truth. And in the ESV, that is translated faithful God. So when you see faithfulness in the Old Testament, it's truth. It is truthful. He's being truthful. We know that God cannot lie. And Jesus is full of truth. 
In John 1.14, which is a verse that maybe you all saw on some Christmas cards this year, it's very familiar. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Usually those verses are, are it's kind of cut short, that he just dwelt among us. But let's not forget, he was full of grace and of truth. Multiple times in the Gospels, we read Jesus told the truth, taught the way of God in truth, taught about the truth. He is connected to the truth because he is the truth. And it all culminated in Jesus' ministry when he stood on trial before Pilate when he said, I have come to bear witness to the truth in John 18, 37. So truth is a person. It is in Jesus. And truth is God's word. John 17, 17 tells us, and this is Jesus' high priestly prayer to the Father. He says, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. And God's word is called multiple different kind of descriptions. It's called God's laws, his commands, his precepts, his testimonies, his ordinances, his rules. All of those words that when we see them, that is God's word, which is true. Psalm 119, 160 says, the entirety of your word is truth. All your words are truth. I want you to get that because if we vacillate on whether or not these words are true, we're not believing that Jesus died for us so that we might know him through this and so our hearts would be changed because truth changes us. It's interesting, too, because the world submits to truth, God's truth, even though sometimes they don't believe it. I mean, depending on who you're talking to. In an an article I wrote by Eric Metaxas, he says, For example, why do we have a seven-day week? Why is this the year 2020 A.D.? Why do we use printed books? Why is the average Westerner literate, literate at all? The answer to all these is the Bible. It's really interesting when we unpeel We'll peel back all the layers of how truth affects culture from history and past. So we know that God is the truth, that Jesus is truth, and that his word is truth. But let's talk about what truth does. So we talked about what it is. Let's talk about what it does. I want you to turn in your Bibles to Psalm 19. And I'm going to read a little bit. This is a... This is a very familiar passage. And what I'm going to do in these verses as I read to you is I'm going to change out the words that describe God's, tr- God's truth with law and testimony and precepts, and I'm going to insert the word truth in there. And I want you just to, just so that you have different ways of looking at what, this, what these verses say. So Psalm 19, starting in verse 7. The truth of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The truth of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The truth of the Lord is right, rejoicing the heart. The the truth of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The truth of the Lord is true and righteous altogether. More to be desired is it than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. 
Moreover, by it is your servant warned, and keeping it there is great reward. What do you see that truth does here? Truth revives the soul. Who needs to be revived today? I do. Truth makes you wise. Do you have a need to know what God's doing in a situation? Do you need help? He will give you wisdom in his truth. Truth rejoices your heart. Don't we all long for and need joy? We find it in his truth. The truth enlightens the eyes. It opens your eyes to what is really there, what is really enduring and lasting. The truth lasts forever, and it's righteous. It is more desired than gold. And by it, and it's sweet, it warns us, and when we live by the truth, there is great reward and blessing. So much for us when we live by the truth, when we seek the truth, when we allow the truth to penetrate our sometimes hard hearts and allow the word, the truth to, to take root in our hearts. 2 Timothy 3.16 is a familiar verse that talks about all scripture being inspired by God. I like the New Living Translation where it says, All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true. And to make us realize what is wrong in our lives, it straightens us out and teaches us to do what is right. Do you ever feel like you need to be straightened out? I do. I feel crooked some days. I feel twisted in my thinking. What does the truth do? It straightens you out. It helps you know how to walk, what, what next step to take. Now turn with me to the New Testament to John 8. And I'm going to read a passage where Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, John 8. And we're going to start in verse 31. Of course, you know, the Pharisees are trying so hard to find ways to get around what Jesus is saying because it's uncomfortable. Guess what? Truth is uncomfortable, isn't it? But it's also healing. But they are trying every which way to say, what are you really trying to say? And because they wanted to, they wanted to stay in what they were believing, although it was not true. And so Jesus in 831, and some of these verses are going to be familiar also, starting in verse 31. And I'm going to read through verse 47, so stay with me. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word and you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say, We will be become free? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. They answered him, Abraham is our father. Jesus, Jesus said to them, If you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You are doing the words your father did. They said to him, We were not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me, for I came from God, and I am here. I, I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. 
Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? I tell the truth. Why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. Now, there is so much in this that we could talk about. But I want to talk about the fact he, he used the word truth so many times because he's trying to say, I want you to know the truth. Will you just listen to me? And they have blinders on and they're not able to see. But at the beginning in verse 31, there are some who are believing him. And what does he say to them? If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So this verse, so often, okay, so you know how many college campuses says you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free? I mean, a lot. And a lot of other places. Okay, let's back up and, and see what it says before that. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Ladies, we have to be in the word to understand the truth. We can't wait for the truth just to change us if we're not trying to live in it. Do you, do you see what I'm saying? You cannot steer a boat that is in the dock. The boat has to be moving. We have to move even in the things that we don't understand move and as we are going as we are believing as we are putting our faith in Jesus he reveals his truth to us and it also says if you abide in my word and and are excuse me if you abide in my word you are truly my disciples let's think for a second too about about the disciples do you think that they understood all of, about who Jesus was from the beginning there's no way they just got off the boat and were like sure I'll come with you and he taught them as he went, right? That's how he made disciples. He taught them as he went, taught them his truth. So we need to realize that in order for us to understand the truth, we have to abide in Christ. And he will reveal more of his truth to us. It's interesting as we were talking about what the Hebrew word kind of um, means, that it is um, dependable and faithful uh, for the word truth. In the, in the New Testament, the Greek word has more to do with hiding nothing, un, unhiding something. So that's interesting, right? So it, it helps us when we think about the fact, like when we say, let's get the truth out in the open, right? That's what truth does. It takes something out of from being hidden. Or the truth will come to light. That's also a phrase that we hear. And that means truth comes out of being hidden. And revealed to us. And the Holy Spirit does that because he is truth. Because Jesus is the truth. So when we also think about the fact that we will be set free. The truth will set you free. Well, what are we free from? Have you ever thought about that? We're not just free from the penalty of sin, which is hell. We are free from being a slave to sin in our earthly lives every day. We are free from ourselves, our flesh, the things that we that we struggle with, that God says, I can set you free from that. And yes, we struggle, but that's the freedom that he offers us. We're free from trying to constantly prove our importance in the world. 
We're free from the need to compare ourselves to anybody else. We're free from trying to find meaning in the world. We are free from searching for answers to the big questions of life. There is so much freedom that he wants to give us because of his truth. God's truth alone sets us free. Our own truth can't do that. So when we hear this whole idea about my truth, your truth, live your truth, speak your truth, that doesn't set you free. It doesn't. We live in a world where we hear a lot of that. I'm going to live my truth. It gets really sticky. But I think that the problem is today people get their values mixed up with truth, which exists outside of our values. The truth exists out of all that. We can value something really strongly, but we have to live according to the truth. When I create my, my version of the truth, my ethical code, I create one I can keep. The intent of God's law, his truth, is to give us a code we cannot keep to drive us to the cross, to the one who kept it perfectly. I hope that, that you can sit with that for a little bit because when we try to come up with our own version of what is true, we don't, we're, not, we're, we're trying to achieve something that we can measure. Our sin was so much more than that, and thank goodness Christ came. So why does all this matter? Why does truth matter? We talked about some of it, but I want to talk about the culture for a minute because we're all affected by the culture continually, whether even we perceive it or not. What we wear, what we watch, what seems normal to us, like having a cell phone, um, how many children you may or may not have um, is a part of our culture. If you live in New York City, you, you know, one or two kids, that's culturally normal there. Not, you know, getting married until you're in your 40s, that's what's culturally normal there. Down here, a lot of people get married. It, so we are, we are affected by our culture. I didn't finish that. A lot of people down here get married sooner than that and have maybe more kids. So many of our decisions are influenced by the culture. And I'm not saying all these, anything is, there's a lot wrong, but we have to be, well, there is a lot wrong with the culture. What I'm saying is it's not wrong that our culture kind of influences us. It's just how much is the culture influencing us? I want to give you an illustration that I hope is, is helpful. Imagine living somewhere where it rains all the time. Raining, raining, raining. Just pouring down rain. Maybe that's Seattle, I don't know, but I mean, maybe that stops raining. Oh, I see, I'm hearing an affirmative. Yes, okay. You're living in Seattle, but it, it rains all the time. You look out and it's raining. You walk outside, it's raining. It's just raining. It's just raining all the time. So what happens when you get out in the rain? You get wet, right? If you don't have anything, any umbrella, that rain is not only going to get on you, but it's going to soak into you, right? It's going to get you wet. It is going, you're going to be totally drenched in the rain. I want you to think of God's truth as an umbrella. God's truth, when you believe in God's truth, when you are abiding in Christ and in the truth, you have an umbrella. Now, does the umbrella over your head prevent the rain from falling? No. The rain can keep coming, right? The rain's going to keep coming. Uh, when you are getting in and out of your car, which is the worst part, right? I always think somebody has a better way to get in and out of the car with the umbrella, like everybody's doing it right except for me. Because whenever, I, I mean, it is wet, and I'm, anyway. So, 
feel inadequate in that part of my life. Um, but anyway, so you're going to get wet, right? You're going to get probably splashed on in your legs. You're going to see the rain. You're going to, you know, have, it's going to get on you. If you have God's truth over you, you're not going to get drenched and saturated by the rain. God's word is truthful because it is an authority over us. It is truth, and it is what guards our hearts and our minds. And I want you to think about truth as this umbrella. What happens when you forget your umbrella? What happens when you cannot find your umbrella? Have you gone through seasons of like, like, like that in your life where you can't find your Bible? I don't think we can afford to not be in this book because the truth is coming at you and you may be drenched right now. You may be needing to remember the protection, the wisdom, the grace, the love, all that is ours because of Christ and what he has taught us in this book. I want you to think about keeping this as a protection over you. We're not going to be able to stop all the rain. We're not. But we will be able to be kept from being saturated by it. Every year, uh, the Oxford Dictionary declares a word of the year. Words are chosen, this is in quotes, based on what is judged to reflect the ethos, mood, or preoccupations of that particular year and to have lasting potential as a word of, of cultural significance. Interestingly, the word chosen in 2016, so this is four years ago, the word chosen was a hyphenated word, post-truth. Relating to, this is what the definition is, relating to or denoting circumstances in which objective facts are less influential in shaping public opinion than appeals to emotional and personal belief. We are li living in a post-truth culture, and we just need to be wise to that. We tell our kids all the time that we're teaching them the truth, but we're going to, we say all the time, not to scare them, but we're like, you are going to one day face many people who are going to say, you believe that? Really? That's not the truth. We, we're preparing them to realize that that's what we're up against in the culture, that we're going to have lots of people who are, who are, I can't believe you believe that. Yes, it is the truth, and it changed me. And you know what? The truth could change you too is what we need to be able to say. So let's not buy the lie that you can have your truth and I can have mine. When we do that, when we, think, when we think that way, while we think we're being respectful of others, we're on sinking sand, just what we, what we sang about. On Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. Oprah made a speech a few years ago, I think at the Golden Globes, and it was like, oh, Oprah for president. Y'all probably remember a little bit. But one of the things that she keeps on being quoted for about that was what she said is, what I know for sure is that speaking your truth is the most powerful tool we all have. And she got applauded for that because, you know what, it kind of sounds good. You know, it's kind of like live what you are passionate about. But what she's saying is that you can have your own version of the truth. Now, I think what's happened is that we've confused, again, our perspective. You can have your perspective. You can have your experiences. You can have your story. But guess what? Perspectives change, don't they? What about the truth? The truth never changes. 
So we need to remember that the truth doesn't change and that we can depend on it. Um, as I wrap up, I want to just talk for a second about um, Jay and Catherine Wolf have a ministry called Hope Heals. If you've not read that book, highly recommend it. It's one of my top five books I've ever read, Hope Heals. And um, they, they have a very hard story. They, um, and you can read more about it, but she had a stroke when she was 26, and she's continuing to live in a disabled. I mean, it's a miracle she survived, but she's disabled. But they talk often about how their life is good and hard, and that is our lives. Our lives are good and hard. It's the good, hard life. Truth is good and hard. It is hard because it offends us. It is not easy for us to hear sometimes. It shows us our sin. It goes against the culture. It's costly. It's all of those things. But truth is good. We can persevere through that hardship because truth is good, and it is worth suffering for. So I want to say one thing um, as we close, and that is don't be surprised when, when you doubt the truth. What did we read about in John 8? About the father of lies. He prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. So when you are having doubts about what is true, don't be surprised. Just come at it with, with truth. Because he, he is clever, but he's the father of lies. But we have a relationship with the author of truth, the one who claimed to be the truth and who is the truth and his word is truth. So greater is he that is in you and me than he that is in the world. The one that is the author of all the confusion and chaos in the culture. But greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Let's pray. Father, we so desperately need to be grounded in your word and in the truth and, and in who you are. But Lord, we do. I, I admit, Lord, we, I, I struggle sometimes with the truth. It offends me. It is hard to understand. It's costly. It is all those things, Father. But Lord, help us to see the joy that is ours when we abide in you, the freedom that you want for us, when we are walking in the truth, you have so much for us. You are where the joy is, and your truth gives us joy and purpose and meaning and hope in a world that is so confused. So, Father, I pray that we not, not, might not only know the truth, but we would speak the truth winsomely in love and in grace with others around us who so desperately need us. Help us to be bold, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. For more information about our resources, please visit 101christianity.com. And for more encouragement, you can follow along on Instagram at Courtney underscore Garrett underscore. Let's press on as we seek to know the truth and share the truth.